Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Good day, Internet. Good day, Internet. Good day, Internet. Good day, Internet. Sarah Lane is off today, but uh, we are all here for you. You're on. Yeah, yeah. we are on today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, how do you feel about it, NFTs? I don't like them. I noticed. Um, you seem yeah, to have very uh, pointed comments about them on the social I do have very pointed comments. Here's my here's my uh, big take. I've never talked about it on DTNS. Yeah. Um, the crypto perspective on NFTs is what it is, and it's fine as a you know whatever. It's it is what I expect it to be. You mean the technology? How it? Works yeah, the technology and, and yeah. its potential. The potential of that technology sure. is is far reaching and be used and pro- for other things someday. Hundred percent, including okay. by the way, artwork. I'm not saying it couldn't. Uh-huh. Okay. My okay. problem with NFTs, as currently constituted, or as currently, I don't know, as 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 that space is currently being run and 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 you know used, is that it doesn't take in the perspective of the artist very often, and I don't mean the artist selling an NFT or something like that. What I mean is, there's very little artfulness in it there's not a lot of soul in it and there's also a lot of uh a whole and and some of that's a little undefinable i'll get back to that in a second Mm. but there's a whole lot of um how do i put this let's just throw anything up call it an nft make 15 versions of it this one's got a hat this one's purple this Mm. one's red generate a bunch of hype shill it like crazy and then then maybe maybe you'll be the next bored ape or whatever and take off. And what you end up with is on the one hand, a bunch of uh, quote unquote art that looks like, looks like bong art, if I'm honest, or something, somebody might stick on the back of their skateboard, not saying that, that there's anything wrong wrong with bong bong art, art. nothing wrong with bong art, decorate your bong any way you want to. But to, to make it sound like this is the next coming of art takes all the soul out of it. And, also, because of its current, again, this is really important that I try to emphasize this, its current scammy nature, um, it really sucks the soul out of it. And what really did it to me was the two separate emails I got from people who took some of my art from my webpage, went to OpenSea or wherever, I don't know where they did it, minted these two items Well, it makes on the a blockchain. difference whether they went to OpenSea or not. 
honestly. Well, it does. So it does make a difference. Because yeah. one of the, and the reason I say that is OpenSea in particular, and a lot of the platforms are trying very hard to stop fraud, whereas others aren't. So if someone were able to do it on OpenSea, that would be worse than if they just like, ah, I found this platform's kind of shady or whatever. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they're, they're, I, I actually really like the steps they've taken over there. But they'll take it somewhere, mint it, and then come back to me and say, you better buy this before someone else does. You better buy your own freaking artwork. Wait, so how do, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's so dumb to me because I, don't, I not only don't want to ever, I don't want to do that, number one. Number two, I didn't mint it. It has nothing to do with me. And number three, I have a 30-layer Photoshop PSD file on a hard drive here that is all the prior art I would ever need for that thing. And I just don't think, I all of the, all the left brain financial speculators out there cannot understand this point of view, but I am telling you from the right brain artistic perspective that none of this is artful. It's very transactiony it's, and very, very monetized. Just, like so it just feels gross right now. It's if gross. I, if, if I understand you, you, you're, you, when you say I don't like NFTs, you're using NFTs as a shortcut. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying what you mean isn't, the technology, as you said, it's what a lot of people are doing with them. Yeah, hundred percent. That yeah. it is. Not only is that the right way to say it, that is. I've been saying that to people. It's hard to get from one of my tweets or whatever. What I'm coming well, yeah, from when here. Yeah, you only two hundred eighty characters. You got to simplify some stuff. Yeah, you got to simplify. But basically, it all comes down to that very thing. I am a hundred percent sure that there is a future in all of this. I know there is, but I'm also sure that the current environment. While plenty of plenty of well-meaning players out there trying to do you know the best they can either for their own work or for somebody else or whatever, I'm not trying to lump everybody into the same bucket, but for the most part, it's just kind of gooey and gross, and most of it comes from this idea of like artificial scarcity when there really is none. Those, those apes are a good example of it. There's there's no scarcity there, but what you have is a lot of famous people spending their their expendable income in that direction and they're doing it why well it's not because these are picassos or these are some other famous thing and i'm not even disparaging the original artist for the for the apes well done dude you got the you got the most notable thing so you know in your case it's a get rich quick uh, scheme well done you did it but but it's not none of it has the the soul of art or the reason you should appreciate art in the first place it's not about well how many do you own and how much did you pay for it it's and i know that can be true for people to hang stuff on their walls but at the end of the day even people that buy monet's they buy them because they love monet now some people buy them because they love the investment and it's going to pay off for them later but i i really can't wait until the time where we get to that place where the coexistence of artful beginning and smart investing can coexist in a scam as scam free as possible environment. I know it's never completely a hundred percent, but it just feels, it feels gross right now. Now the gaming question about NFTs, totally different conversation. I'm super against those two, but for very different reasons, <laughs> totally uh, different reasons, totally different conversation that ends up with me still hating that, but for entirely different. Uh, yeah. The NFTs in that case is a different kind of thing. You're talking about, you know, I think they're not, pieces of art they're I think objects the yeah, difference ahead. between what how i look at it and how you're looking at it and i'm not saying one of these is better than the other when i say this this is just we're we're taking different approaches is you're looking at the 
99%, let's say, maybe it's less than that, but just for the sake of argument, 99% of the like bulk of what's happening and going cesspool, right? And you're not wrong. I'm I'm not even, I'll agree with you. Whereas I'm like, yeah, cesspool. So let's not ignore that. What else is going on? Is there 1% that is worthwhile? And if, and this is the way I approach things. If I look at the 1% and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not a cesspool, but it doesn't outweigh the cesspool. Then I'm like, yeah, no, that, that, that's worthless and it's a mess. Or is it, gosh, but that 1% is really good. And 1% is really interesting or 1% has potential right now. I'm not sure it's really good, but I'm holding out like, gosh, I think it has a lot of potential. I think it has enough potential. It might outweigh the cesspool. And I compare it to email. If you look at email and you're like, man, 99% of the email I get is, is is spam and scams. You, you could say email is worthless and I hate email, but we have got to the point you want to get with NFTs where you can make that invisible. You can make that not not be in your face. You're still you're 100% email. right. And yeah, in and the so same, you're in just, the same. we're just not with NFTs to where you, you right now you have to actively ignore the bad actors to appreciate the good and uh, sometimes that's that's hard. And yeah, you're saying if I'm hearing you right, you're like, "Man, I can't wait till we get to the point where I don't have to actively ignore that." Yeah, that is exactly right. I think those are all good examples. Um, even though you know, there's maybe a functional difference with the email versus something like an NFT. But yeah, uh, yeah, the, the metaphor as far, as, far as use case, case but, but I get it. Close, and, but, I, and it would yeah. be the same as like, um, I don't know, like uh, the internet itself. I go to a website and I get malware somewhere, and that's awful. Right. Uh, back in the day, I had no idea I got the malware. Today, websites are browsers, awful because they can give you malware. Well, yeah, right. But and not websites website have figured does. out ways to not right. do it. And you find places that you trust and then it starts to suss itself out. I fully believe there there's a place for that. And there's a, there will end up being a place for artists there. But right now, the artists are the last thing on anyone's mind. No one's thinking of them. They're just going to them and they're either taking their stuff outright where it's real scammy. Or even if it's well-intentioned, they're not doing it because... Like, or if there are everybody people thinking can, of the artists, they're hard to find. They're hard to hear yes, above the they're noise. They're very hard to find. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That that's that's my chief complaint yeah, here. Yeah. And so it just feels a little affronty. And I probably get a little too snippy about it, but I do fully believe there's I I've said it since the beginning. There's a hundred percent some potential here. And the more I understand it, the better I understand it, the more I think that's true. I just don't think we're there. And I couldn't give you a really good estimate of when we will be probably oh, I, sooner yeah, than later. I don't know that anybody later. really could, but yeah. yeah, it's really hard to, but I, I really feel strongly that at some point, if art is the point of it, which everyone seems to be acting like it is, I'll, I, you'll know, we'll just be able to know that that'll be true when it's true right now. It's just not true. This isn't about art. It isn't about artists. It's about who got there first, who's shilling the best, Who's convinced you to do what and how much expendable freaking cryptocurrency do you have laying around? That's really the factors. And then there's the whole scam end of it. But eventually the empowerment will be back in the hands like the Internet itself, back in the hands of creators. And when that happens, then we'll have another discussion. And I feel I feel I feel great about the future of it. I just think right now it's a weird Wild West, you know, thing. And it's 
I know we, we've run into this before uh, with more than just you, where you'll get an email and you're like, why do these people say X? And and maybe it'll be me going like, because they're not sending it to you, Scott. They're just sending it to as many people as they can off an address list. And and it, right. and they're hoping it'll, you're like, yeah, but it doesn't make sense. I'm like, doesn't have to, as long as it works once out of a million times. I feel like there's a similar principle at play here where you're like, you get that email from somebody trying to sell you your own art NFT. It's probably not mm. even a real platform that they're pointing no. at, right? They're just yeah. trying to scam you. And you are you can't get past the fact that it's like, you know what? They probably got a bot that just pretends to do this for any artist mm-hmm. it can find. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not even, they're not even thinking <laughs> about you, but you're like, damn it. But they, they did it. And the principle offends me. Yeah. The principle irritates me. Yeah. yeah. And, it's and I like, get why. It, and right now it's just so in your face that it's like, I just kind of don't want to deal with it until things get better like if you ever go i don't know how many times you guys ever use uh, twitter spaces i rarely do but when i go check in there i'm doing it now all the live things are hello sunshine meta angels talk nfts let's talk <laughs> nfts diversity in nfts um 20 minute yeah. nft vibe check oh yeah uh, and, and you know what i ignore all that stuff and i never go in there and look at it and that just helps that helps me yeah. a lot yeah and there are people who like here's one called random boring nft space which is <laughs> I don't know whether that guy's serious or not. Like, so it's just like, it's, it's one of those things right now where that part of it needs to die down a little bit for me as an artist to want to see my work Mm -hmm. there. It's wild West. Like you said, it is very wild West. And here's the thing about the gold rush. How many people found gold in those rivers when they went out there? Very, a very small percentage compared to the vast amount that got sick and died going out there. You know who who made some of the most money out of, out of the gold rush? Mm. Levi Strauss, <laughs> yeah, selling stuff to the gold rush people, including yeah. jeans, including jeans, right? <laughs> selling equipment. There are people. There are stories about yeah. multi-millionaire now billionaire family lines that their entire claim to fame was they went to San Francisco in the 1800s, set up a shop that sold shovels and picks, yeah, and made bank. You okay. know, a lot of this made... is that shovels and picks are these places hey, that are. You know maintained. what? There was a guy who who made a line of apparel that did really well, and it's still in business today. Yeah, Levi's. 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 Levi's Strauss. Strauss. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I we, wish I would have thought of that. I think we all knew that. <laughs> but uh, Bank, but of, yeah. Bank of America was also started then. Uh, yeah. but you know, we should start now. Uh, a debate about I know, I know uh, the one. geopolitical is ramifications that? Is, that? Of, is it what Roger said Amos? of cryptocurrency? No, <laughs> I was thinking something more uh, more centralized to today's tech news. Oh, oh, making fun of Amos. I got it. Oh, yeah, making fun of Amos. <laughs> Daily no. tech news show. That would be a great you, title. I, yeah. Listen, I just appreciate you letting me kind of hijack our thing today. You should NFT this audio and put it up on the blockchain I immediately. Should, I really should, yeah. should I? Yeah. That'd be that'd be genius. All yeah. right. Uh let's get ready for tech news. I will count us in. Here we go. In three, two. Coming up on DTNS, why robots might increase jobs whatever shall we use android apps on windows 11 for and three things three things sony should do to beat microsoft in gaming dtns starts now this is the daily tech news for wednesday january 26 2022 in los angeles i'm tom merritt in salt lake city i'm scott johnson 
And I'm Roger Chang. The show is produced. Sarah Lane has the day off today, but there is a longer version of this show. And if you get it called Good Day Internet, uh, you get a nice long discussion from Scott about what he does and does not like about NFTs. Mostly what he does not like. You can get that at (laughs) patreon.com slash DTNS. Oh, by the way, huge thanks to top patrons of DTNS, including Logan Larson, Mike Aitkins, and Norm Fazekas. Fazekas. get that right? Fazekas. Fazekas. I knew I was going to mess that one up. Norm, you're awesome. Send all your emails to me. Uh, You guys are all great. Thank you for being supporters. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. The EU General Court overturned a 2009 antitrust decision against Intel. Heck, I was at buzz out loud when that decision was made. Uh, This decision involved rebates that Intel gave to PC makers to allegedly squeeze AMD out, resulting in a record 1.06 billion euro fine. The court found that the European Commission failed to show, quote, to the requisite legal standard that the rebates were an anti-competitive risk. This ruling can still be appealed to the European Court of Justice and probably will be. Samsung officially announced its next Galaxy Unpacked event, and they say it will happen on February 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. (laughs) See if it actually happens this time. Uh, This invite (laughs) will have a big letter S with the phrase, the epic standard. So, uh, do you think it's a new Samsung Galaxy S22 that might be announced? Hmm. Well, yes, I think we all think that's probably what's going to happen. In fact, Samsung President TM Rowe said Samsung will announce, quote, the most noteworthy S-series device we've ever created. Noteworthy, eh? Mm. Like mm, Galaxy Note? worthy mm-hmm. uh when twitter made it possible to use nfts as profile pics you may have scoffed and said that'll never happen on reddit i i don't know why you would have said that but i'm guessing maybe at least one of you did so if you did we regret to inform you you were wrong TechCrunch reports that reddit is testing a feature to let users set any nft as their profile picture uh the test is in its earliest stages it has not been made available to the public developer nima Oji found references in reddit's web app to a test collection on OpenSea. Valve announced that the Steam Deck handheld console will go on sale Friday, February 25th, to customers who have made reservations. If you're like me, you're second in line on that whole deal. Uh, Starting at 10 a.m. February 25th, Valve will send out emails in the same order that reservations were made. They actually stated that when you signed up. Uh, Once you get an email, you'll have three days to place your order. Shipping uh, of those first batches of orders will begin February 28th, so pretty quickly after that. New batches of emails will go out in order weekly after that. So even if you were like me and you got really late, they'll eventually get to you. Uh, If you're late to the game, you can still go and do what I did months ago, which is register to to reserve one, basically, with a $5 deposit. Uh, Though shipping is estimated for quarter two at that point. Well, Q2, though. That's not not as bad as I would have thought, maybe. So, yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, Apple is number one in China when it comes to smartphones. Analysts at CounterPoint estimate the Q4 smartphone sales in China declined 9% on the year. Overall, 2021 sales in China down 2% year over year. In the last quarter of 2021, Apple grew its sales 32% on the year, bucking the trend to become number one in China in market share with 23%. First time since Q4 2015, that they have led the market. Uh, Fastest growing smartphone brand in China is Realme, with sales up 83% in Q4 and 379% on the year on all of 2021. 
All right, let's talk a little bit more about Microsoft. Uh, we mentioned yesterday that they had their earnings report. Uh, cloud, Office, and Windows led to a strong quarterly earnings report for Microsoft Tuesday. Overall revenue up 20%. Microsoft even surprised people with some hardware revenue. Uh, Surface revenue rose 8%. CEO Satya Nadella's message was the time spent on Windows PCs is rising. So don't think of Windows as in decline. Think of it as a fertile ground for us to make lots of money on. Uh, Although... Azure grew by 46%. So that's still the biggest of the big revenue generators. Another notable contributor, though, was LinkedIn. LinkedIn grew 37% in revenue. So there you go. You got your cloud with Azure. You got your community with LinkedIn. And remember, Satya Nadella was saying about Activision Blizzard, cloud, community, and content. So let's talk about the content part. Overall, gaming revenue was up 8% for Microsoft. Keep in mind, that next quarter will become the first one with the new dedicated Microsoft gaming division in the earnings report. That's the one that Phil Spencer is now CEO of. So reporting numbers are going to move around a little bit more and reflect more of Microsoft's overall gaming business. Not every gaming studio is included in these Xbox numbers that we got this time. Uh, CEO Satya Nadella said that 20 million people had played Halo Infinite, 18 million people had played Forza Horizon 5, really trying to play up usage, which is important if you're selling a cloud gaming service subscription. And Bloomberg reports that at least the next three Call of Duty games will be on both Microsoft and Sony platforms, uh, even if Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard in the expected fiscal next year time frame. But of course, that's not too shocking as... uh, the earliest that Activision acquisition would close would be summer, uh, and then the latest would be next summer. So that, that seems to time out right. Okay, after that, anything's on the table. And all of this, all of this, well, maybe not the Windows stuff so much, but all, most of this is bad news for Sony. Is Sony's gaming business in trouble? On theconversation.com, University of Cambridge fellow in strategy Hamza Mudassir wrote up three ways that he thinks Sony can avoid getting left behind by Microsoft. So, Scott, I thought we'd kick these around. I'm going to lay them out for you, and you let us know what you think of them as we go in order. You ready? Awesome. Yep, totally ready. All right. Way number one, Sony should buy Google Stadia. Now, I mean... Google has to want to sell it, obviously. But uh, Mudasir argues that Stadia's biggest problem is a lack of content and an overly complex business model. Sony could fix that by putting the rather deep PlayStation Now library on Stadia machinery. And even if they had to raise the price of $9.99 a little bit, it'd still be a much simpler deal than what you have with Google Stadia right now. Yeah, it's also uh, plausible, at least in my head, that we finally see some sort of white label offer here, and it doesn't necessarily Google, have to Google be. Google Stadia has already been been doing white label, so yeah. Yeah, they've been doing it already. So why in this case, I don't know why this would be such a big deal. They don't even have to be that public about it. I mean, they kind of have to be somewhat public, but they don't have to advertise on it. They could just basically say, our new reworked PlayStation Now and or PlayStation Plus, whatever they're going to call it. Uh, is back-ended by Stadia and that technology or Google's our partner, however you want to say it, and get there just as quickly uh, outside of having to buy them. Now, I think buying them, at buying that division, assuming it was for sale, is probably the best long-term solution because I really think Sony needs to control their own back-end. They need to have or at least as much control over their back-end as they can handle. And uh, this just means they're leasing somebody else's stuff again, which is kind of what they do for their systems. So, so yeah, this is... This seems like the least possible solution, but it it wouldn't hurt because they're kind of in a they're in a real squeeze in this particular area of their gaming anyway. So yeah, they got to do something there. 
I, here's the here's the fly in that ointment. Uh, Microsoft Azure and Sony have a deal in the works. Yeah. And so I don't think Sony's going to go use a white label version of Stadia, which is, I guess, why Mudasir is saying just buy it. Just buy it from them. You could still use Azure as its back end and then run it. You could white label it to other people if you want. Uh, well, heaven, heaven knows if Sony or uh, uh, Stadia is not like killing the world or knocking us all over, you know, on our feet, and they don't right. certainly seem to be all that in front of it. So I, maybe they're ready to f- take a buyer and let it go. I, I don't know. Really hard all to right. say. Uh, way number two, uh, and and again, so, so somebody uh, GPEG eighty four is like, isn't Sony already beating Microsoft for now? But this is like, here's what they have to do to make sure they stay ahead. Way number two, go cross platform. Instead of using game exclusivity to sell consoles, follow Microsoft's example and release games everywhere at once. Microsoft's been doing a lot of it's on Xbox and PC day and date. You could do this through PlayStation Now. Put PlayStation Now on every platform. Smart TVs, phones, set-top boxes, computers, heck, maybe even on the Xbox. Just get PlayStation Now out there and don't try to use it as a, a way to sell consoles. I completely agree. Uh, this is maybe my favorite suggestion of all of these. I think they're going to end up doing this. So this is actually a prediction I think this, that is being worked on mm. and that it will come to fruition. But to add on top of that real quick, the other thing I think they need to do is not just what you said, but also put it on Steam day and date. Microsoft's doing that also. You mm-hmm. get you know uh, Halo Infinite day one, Forza Horizon day one. Get these games day one in the hands of gamers in all of the places that they play them, except maybe your chief rival's console, but everywhere else. Basically, what Microsoft's doing, you'd go a long way than 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 just saying, "Well, hey, we're going to eventually put God of War on there, but it'll take us four years." That's been great. It's reviewing well. It's on Steam now, and people love it. But it took you four years to do it. Make that state stuff day and date, or at least closer to day and date. That will go a long way to help shore up stuff. For I'm them. looking forward. I'm looking forward to that day. That it will never come, but I'm looking forward to the day <laughs> that they announce Xbox Game Pass for PlayStation and PlayStation <laughs> Now for Xbox. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with your weird future. I don't think it's going to happen either, but maybe. Way number three, uh, lead the metaverse. Sony's PSVR just lost its lead to the Quest 2 last year. It was the the most successful VR headset until the Quest 2 came along. Uh, The PSVR 2 is coming, but it's still tethered to a console, which is kind of a non-starter for a lot of people and one of the reasons that it lost out to the Quest 2. So he's saying it needs to leap farther forward to stay even or even get ahead of Microsoft, Meta, and Apple. Yeah, I agree with this one. Uh, Microsoft has no head start in this space. Um, they may in terms of back. I mean, they have Hololens, like but sure, yeah. sure. But that first Hololens they have yet was to weird. realize the, that. So yeah, the upcoming two. Who knows? Like, there's a lot to say about the future of them. But right now, they don't have any kind of like stick in the mud on this, and everyone else seems to. Sony has a huge leg up in this case. I kind of thought the PlayStation VR 2 would end up really pushing things, maybe a little bit more, be an untethered device or a tethered and untethered device you could take with you for certain kinds of experiences. And I I don't know exactly what I expected, but I expected more than what they showed. So they do have an opportunity here to be a bigger leader in this space, and Microsoft is late to the game on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, We've already uh, struck off NFTs and Metaverse on your bingo card. Uh, What about virtual machines, Scott? 
<laughs> oh, well, let's talk about that. Microsoft will launch its public preview of Android apps on Windows 11 next month. We've been hearing about this for a little bit. Uh, Microsoft Insiders first got to test the Android app Windows 11 system back in October of last year. It lets you install a limited number of Android apps listed in the Microsoft Store and served by the Amazon App Store, not by Google Play. It's an important distinction. This is thanks to the Windows subsystem for Android. It runs a version of the Android open source project in Hyper-V Virtual Machine. The subsystem can map runtime and APIs of the Android apps to the Windows graphics layer, memory buffers, input modes, and devices. That's really important. Subsystem supports AMD, Intel, and Qualcomm chips. ARM-only apps can run on Intel and AMD chips through the subsystem thanks to some help from Intel. Uh, Android apps can run right beside Windows apps, and they're integrated into the Alt tab, the Task View, um, you can pin well them to your, your yeah, yeah, start board, all that stuff. I think that's all really important. Notifications show up in Action Center, and clipboard contents can be shared with window apps mm. or Windows apps. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know what you'd need. I don't know what you want to load in there, Tom. What what Android app you're like? Oh man, Here's I can't the, wait, here, yeah, wait to have this, it. This is the thing, right? Because uh, Android apps in Chrome OS got me really excited until. I found that I didn't really need any of them. I I, <laughs> I I did install the Microsoft Office Android apps on Chrome OS, which is kind of fun. And then I don't think I've ever really used them. Uh, maybe once or twice. Uh, I installed a couple of games on Chrome OS. I feel like there are going to be people in our audience, and please email us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com, say, no, this will solve a problem for me. There's this one app uh, that I, I want to have access to on Windows 11, but I only have access on Android. Uh, granted, this is a limited selection. It's not even the entire 600,000 Amazon app store apps. Uh, it's a subset of those. It was only 50 back in October. I think it's more than that now, but uh, you're not going to get everyone. But I, I know there are some specific cases where this is going to be helpful i just don't know how many of those cases there are well i found okay so uh, there's a good comparison that's already sort of happening over on the apple side of things and i just want to mention it briefly because i had a very similar experience when the m1 was launched the m1 chips and the desktops was launched they said hey by the way all your native ios and ipad apps they'll they'll just come over here and you can play them on your mac or use them on your mac in a very similar way that they're talking about here. We're now talking about a unified ARM architecture, so go for it, let your freak flag fly. So I did, and I tried a few things, and then immediately quit doing it. Because <laughs> I was like, I really, there's nothing here that I either don't already have a desktop version of, that's already syncing with my mobile version of, or maybe there's a game on Apple Arcade where you're like, well, it's cross-saved, so this is a nice place to kind of mess with it here, and then go check on my Star Trek guys on my phone later, and it all integrates, and I suppose there's an argument for that. But for the most part, the the uh, novelty of it kind of wore off in the first day. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe this is a bigger deal for a developer than it is for an end user, right? Mm. So a developer who's got an Android app and has been wanting to port it to Windows can now push their audience of like, hey, with that new Windows 11 subsystem, we're we're in the Amazon App Store, which means we're in the Windows Store, Microsoft Store. Uh, so go check it out. You can use us yep. now. Um, yep. but, you know, and and there's a there's a GitHub up to kind of help developers uh, do this. Uh, try They're trying to make it super easy. Certainly how Apple pitched it was like, hey, iOS developers, now you can make your apps available on Mac OS without having to do a whole lot of work. So Maybe yeah. that's it, that's the bigger deal here. Obviously. I will say the one plus here is that Microsoft 
the 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 integration of the Android apps in the API of Windows itself, so you've got all the functionality you're used to on the OS level, that goes a long way, I think, to making that more interesting. On the Apple side, it's like, well, this thing's locked at this tiny resolution, the size of your phone up in the corner. They didn't build it to go full screen or whatever. Uh, it's a lot more hit and miss there, so maybe that will help some, that integration. Oh, folks, what do you want to hear us talk about on the show? Uh, I know you like these topics, but we like to find out what topics you're into before we make the show. So one way to let us know is our subreddit. Submit your stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Boston Dynamics announced its first commercial customer for its stretch robots. Those are the warehouse robots that can do some carrying things around, loading and unloading. DHL, the shipper, the logistics company, I should say, is going to spend $15 million to bring a fleet of Boston Dynamics robots to its North American facilities over the next three years. The stretch robots will start by unloading trucks, you know, like we all do, just Bob, we're just going to have you unload. <laughs> Stretch, we're just going to have you unload the trucks to start. Over the course of the rollout, we might get you to help in some package handling if everything goes well. Uh, DHL has a hard time finding staff right now, so this isn't even immediately going to displace workers because uh, they can't hire enough people. But that does bring up the wider question of automation's effect on jobs. The Economist has an overview of what we know so far. And this addresses that knee-jerk reaction that some of you are having right now of like, here we go, robots taking our jobs. When the lockdowns came in 2020, America's National Bureau of Economic Research published a paper, mid-2020, anticipating the acceleration of job automation because of lockdowns, because of people being sick, because people not being able to show up for work. And the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, published a paper concerned about whether such automation would cause jobs not to come back. Because, hey, robots don't get sick. 
companies might like that and just say, you know what, we're going to automate these jobs. Don't bother coming back to work. The data so far shows that that has not been the case. Instead, unemployment rates have fallen in developed countries, and The Economist estimates that there are a record 30 million vacancies across OECD countries, which is mostly Europe with a a few other countries in South America, Australia, and elsewhere. Opinions about automation, therefore, are evolving. A group of French and British economists believe that the direct effect of automation may be to increase employment at the firm level, not reduce it. The logic goes that automation reduces costs, which makes a firm more profitable. Instead of just hoarding those profits, as some people assume happens, most companies invest profits in expansion because they want to grow, because they want to get bigger. That expansion can then lead to increased hiring. So if the robots make you more profitable, you might expand, you might hire more people, move into new products or services. Those products or services may be labor intensive and you couldn't afford to do it before. But now that you've got the robots doing this other stuff, you can take that salary and do these more labor intensive efforts. Research by economists from Yale showed that from 1978 to 2017, Japanese employment rose 2.2% for every one robot that was added per 1,000 workers. An MIT study found a similar effect in Finland, in case you're like, yeah, but that's Japan. More studies like this are on the way from Stanford and elsewhere. Now, keep in mind, added jobs aren't always good jobs. The studies don't evaluate wages and they don't evaluate job quality. More work needs to be done at the macro scale, too to see if companies that automate, even if they add jobs themselves, drive competitors out, reducing jobs overall in the marketplace. Maybe that's happening. Need to see if that's the case. But if your reaction to robots in the workplace is to think they just simply took a job, it's not that simple. No. I mean, I've never gotten over the lesson, and I swear it was with you that this first got discussed. I could be wrong, and this was years and years and years ago. But the concept that the the accounting world financial services world were freaking out when Lotus 123 happened and started to get traction. They all just thought, well, this is the end of our jobs. This is the end of everything accounting. I can't believe I have a degree in accounting. I can't believe I've wasted my life sort of fear-mongering that was going on back then. And it it, it had like approximately the reverse action. It ended up creating so many more jobs and so much more capacity for more services with these financial services companies and individual accountants that they could take on so much more that wasn't them busily using a pencil and a ledger and trying to get it all done in, in, in older ways. And I, I don't want to oversimplify that, but it just didn't end up being the problem everybody thought it was going to be. Now, that's different than this. There's lots of reasons to say, well, this isn't the same as that. We're also in a different era now. Maybe this changes overall or over time. But I don't know why. I just have a good feeling about it. Every time you put a robot in there to do something, it's usually because it's either not very efficient to have people do it or it's dangerous to have people do it. Or you'd rather be putting that 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 workforce somewhere else, but they're still there. Like, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Plus, these robots are cool. They look like they could lift up heavy stuff, and that's rad. Yeah, I, I think what you have to remember is uh, the the idea 
that robots are going to take our jobs is not very helpful. In fact, you could be harming the economy if you resisted automation entirely. As I see some people resisting automation entirely, that, that may be bad net. What you need to focus on is, well, but what are the bad things? Are the new jobs going to be low wage? Okay, then what do we do about that? Or, or and I think what, what it very clearly to me something to focus on is, yes, the firm may eliminate all the loading dock jobs and add a bunch of jobs in the call center, but the folks at the loading dock are now out of a job and they may not necessarily take a job, be offered a job or want a job over in the call center. So what do you do in that transition? What do you do with the people whose jobs definitely were taken by the robot? How do you make sure that they can find another job that is suitable, satisfactory, gives them a good quality of life. I think, I think focus on that. Like, how do you, how do you deal with the transition? Don't try to just resist automation. At least that's where my head's at anyway. Well, speaking of logistics and moving stuff around, let's talk about Elroy air. They have announced it's uh, pre-production autonomous VTOL aircraft, the chaparral, 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 uh, VTOL stands for vertical takeoff and landing, by the way. And chaparral can hover like a helicopter using eight vertical fans and fly forward with four swiveling propellers. Kind of sounds like a great big drone-looking thing. It is. Uh, it, it has basically it is. Uh, it has a hybrid electrical or electric powertrain with a range of 300 miles and can carry 300 to 500 pounds, which is quite a bit. A cargo pod underneath the carriage can be autonomously hooked up and dropped right off wherever it needs to go. Uh, last time we heard from Elroy was with a prototype in 2019, so it's been a bit. This time, Elroy ha- uh, says it has agreements to supply 500 aircraft to commercial defense and humanitarian customers. Uh, the U.S. Air Force has funded Elroy and AYR Logistics, who works with the food, or excuse me, World Food Program. They've ordered 100 of them themselves. Uh, Mesa Airlines has also expressed interest for parcel and medical deliveries. Autonomous VTOL aircraft have the uh, potential to bring fast delivery to remote areas that may be a lot longer to get there by truck. They don't need runways. Uh, all kinds of cool uses for this tech. Very cool. Yeah, vertical takeoff and landing is is expected to be one of those uh, areas of technology uh, to watch. Uh, that that somebody's going to make this take off vertically uh, and, and become a useful and and pr- productive uh, business. Whether Elroy Air is is that one or not, your guess is as good as mine. But uh, here we go, creeping closer closer and closer to actual uh, business. And unlike autonomous cars. That are robo taxis in particular, uh, VTOL. I guess it's actually similar to autonomous cars in that robo taxis. That's a hard one getting people around. Right. Uh, cargo autonomous trucks probably going to happen first, and mm-hmm. it is already happening in tests. So I kind of look at this and say, well, Elroy seems to have the right idea, which is, yeah, air taxis moving people around at VTOLs. That's tough. A lot of regulations around that. A lot of safety mm-hmm. you got to deal with. Whereas just moving cargo where there's no people on board, uh, probably a good deal. Although the question is, can the cost of operations be below what the areas that can benefit it will pay for it? Right. There's there uh, the the one application here that, that's that's obviously brought up in our conversation that I really like the most. I think is the humanitarian one. A notoriously difficult in some areas to get food and resources where it needs to be when it needs to be without a big long runway or without uh, you know safety issues that can endanger lives that sort of thing. The idea of sending one of these in there with 500 pounds of food and having it know where to land, how to land, how to avoid a problem because it's autonomous in some way or in all the ways it needs to be, is very cool. It seems like a really great push forward in that that area. The the best usage of this is high-value 
gear, right? Whether it's medicines or electronics. Mm -hmm. If someone's buying $5,000 worth of electronics and they need to deliver to their ranch on some hilltop without, you know, with one access road, you'll be willing to pay an extra two, 300 bucks to get it delivered at your location on time versus waiting for a semi filled with a bunch of other stuff. Um, And so what they would, I mean, the military is great for this is targeting high value uh, shipments to where it needs to go because those are, it's just like Tesla with, with, you know, uh, upper end, you know, upper, uh, upper range automobiles, you target the people that are willing to pay because they have expensive stuff that needs to be there today. Zipline is a great example of this with small, amounts, right? We're, t- we're talking about a couple pounds. They've made a whole business starting in Rwanda at delivering urgent medical supplies at places that would take sometimes weeks for a truck to get, and they can just fly their drones over the hill or the mountain uh, and get it there. And and that's what uh, Elway is, or yeah, yeah, that's what Elway is doing here is saying like, we can do that except with 500 pounds <laughs> instead of just five uh, pounds. So there, yeah, there's something there. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Joshua says, I really loved hearing Owen J.J. Stone again. I agree that 8K isn't nearly as big of an improvement for TVs as 4K was over 1080p, but TVs aren't the only kinds of displays. My next big hobby purchase is an 8K resin printer. A printer. It uses an LCD screen to harden liquid photopolymer in a vat just above the display. The higher your display's pixel count, the more detail you'll see in your completed print. Some printers have gotten all the way up to 1,152 PPI. While 4K to 8K isn't particularly noticeable in two dimensions, 8K makes a huge difference when you're creating something in three. It's the difference between, wow, that model has a lot of detail, to, is that thing alive? I'm not entirely clear on the production overlap between the kinds of 8K displays used for TVs and the UV emitting ones in 3D printing, but I'm hopeful more people buying 8K TVs would make my hobby a bit cheaper as well. Uh, so what hold, a great, what the, a great example of that, Joshua. Thank you. Holding a torso of Batman uh, here. This doesn't have uh-huh. his head currently. I apologize, but this was printed by our good friend Brian. I bet he has a resin printer at home. It's not nearly this resolution, but I can tell you, even at the kind of entry level resolution of resin these days. It's incredible what they're doing with resin 3D printing. So uh, 100% with them. I think that prototyping and doing stuff for effect shops and that sort of stuff is about to take off huge in that space. And while they may not be exactly the same displaying or assembling, uh, I think he's on to something here. I think that's really cool. Uh, also on Tuesday, uh, we got an email from James who said, uh, DTNS was extra informative and extra entertaining. Thanks to Owen JJ stone. His passion was amazing. And he gave Tom a reason to explain things in more detail. Most of all, he made me smile and laugh many times. Please get him back on the show again soon. Uh, thanks James. We, we forwarded this, uh, this stuff to Owen, uh, put a smile on his face. We love having Owen on. It, it's, it's a blast. So yes, we will try to get him back as soon as possible. Also, thanks to our brand new bosses, Brandon Boyer and Michael Kamachi, who just started backing us on patreon thank you both we need you that's why we're doing the free hbo week if you've noticed you got extra stuff in your free Acast feed this week it's because we're letting everybody get all the stuff that the patrons get uh so just for this week uh we're doing that and uh if you like any of that you can go you don't you don't have to get all of it you can choose what of that stuff we're giving you this week you get at patreon.com slash dtns thank you michael and brandon for being people who did just that and before we get out of here thank you scott johnson what's going on these days oh always a pleasure to be here um i cannot say enough of how much i'm enjoying this new show i'm producing now called play retro i do it on mondays with my friend brian dunaway 
And it turns out we are a couple of guys who grew up with retro video games when they weren't retro, when they were new, arcades and stuff at home and whatever, whatever you think of retro, we were there for it. And so reliving all of that in a modern way and learning about new ways of playing this stuff, talking about cool retro builds of arcade machines and main boxes and uh, retro pies and all this sort of stuff has become a bit of an obsession over the last four weeks. So if that sounds interesting to you at all, do check out our new show. It's called Play Retro. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search for Play Retro. Andy, go do it. Go do it. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 Eastern, 21.30 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Justin Robert Young on the show tomorrow. And Len Peralta's in on Thursdays these days to do the illustrating. We'll all talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Oh, nice. man, that show felt longer than it is. That was just a yeah. convo. It was a it was efficient. It was efficient and and fit. Yeah, that show is good. fit, eh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, if you are listening or watching live, go vote uh, on our titles: showbot.tv slash DTNS two, uh, because we want to know what you should call the show, what what you would call the show if you were to call it. And then we'll look at that and we might say, yeah, we'd call the show that too. Or we might say, no, we're going to call the show something else. But we need those ideas. We feed off the ideas. It's like, you know, when they're warming you up for the late night talk show crowd, they're like, Dave feeds off your energy, folks. You need to clap a lot. We need lots of titles. We need lots of title votes. So get over there. Showbot.tv slash DTNS number two. DTNS two. Nice. Nice. Nice, 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 baby. And if you are in the Discord, we we know there's some issues there, and we will fix it after the show. Okay. Yeah. In the Discord right now, uh, Got Nate and Arsira Chiros are both saying they can't react to posts anymore. I think I know mm-hmm. why. Uh, when we originally set up the Discord, I think I said reactions would be limited to higher roles. And I think they were on for non-roles. And when they're on for non-roles, that overrides and turns them on for everybody. Mm, well, now I, I just want in, freshly baked rolls. I went in today and I turned them <laughs> off for people without rolls so that people who sneaked into our server wouldn't be able to just go around trolling people with reactions. And I think that turned them off for the lower rolls. Now, oh. I'm perfectly willing to go turn them on for all the rolls, but I bet that's why. I bet that's why. That's that probably why. The latest update or the latest APA, API outage update says um, we, we've had some more people down. It says everybody should be fully online within the next 10 minutes. That was posted 10 minutes ago. So, if yeah, I don't not think on this yet. has to do with the database because th- I think this has to do with me changing the role permissions. So oh, just that? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I still can't get in, but that, who knows what that is. <laughs> it's just you, Scott. Yeah, but I do want roles. I want to go to Texas Roadhouse. They have amazing roles. Oh, uh, there's. Mm, so oh, my gosh. Um, I was going to say something uh, just as a quick follow up to what I was saying earlier about NFTs. And I actually mean this, and I don't mean it snarky. I think some of the reactions to NFTs and its current problems are more artful than the NFTs themselves, if that makes sense. There's some there's more creativity and like freedom of expression happening in in response to the negative aspects of NFTs than the NFTs themselves. Just throwing so that saying, out there. So what you're saying is the drama is the art, not the it actual can, NFT. It can be. Like the the 
like I, you know, I, I can't. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I also don't want to speak for me. But when when people do, <laughs> who do people, you want to speak? For? <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for me because I, I did a couple of things I thought were that were funny and creative. But I I don't want to you know say if mine was any better than anybody else's. But but the sometimes the absurdity of it and kind of the, just this high level shillness of it when when some have figured out very creative and artistic ways to sort of satirize all or make that satirical, satirize. that stuff's been better. Than the thing they're making fun. Of. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, and I'm not saying they should run out and mint their reactions. It's not what I mean. They I just should. mean. I just mean that this would... is the this is the way of things. Nobody should be surprised that people are the skeptical, and it will it will work itself out partly because we are skeptical, and Listen, because there's the, critical thinking going on. It's good. The people, the people who move first on any new technology or any kind of innovation, whether you think it's a worthwhile one or not. Are people who are looking to see if they can make a buck off it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost always. I hate that. Now f- we I call hate that stage. capitalists. Yeah, it's a stage I don't love, but yet here ah, we are. But all, 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 all the stores a stage. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the old saying? Is that it? <laughs> that old phrase. All the world's an NFT. Yeah, there as you the go. bard once uh, once minted and sold on OpenSea. <laughs> You know what they really don't like is when I start saying things like every pixel on the internet could be NFT because it's true. It could. It could. It could. Yeah. And why, but why would That's you? That's right clicking mentality though, Scott. Like is it, <laughs> if I put a, if there was the, a, a tiny pixel on, let's say amazon.com, I go there and there's a tiny white pixel at the bottom of the first 900 pixels of their page. And I minted that one single white pixel and said, this is, all, this is from, I own a piece of Amazon. You know, like you could go crazy with this when you start thinking too hard about it but that but no, you can't there's nothing wrong with that if people yeah. value that this is this is where i i do i do think people are a little too dismissive is well i don't find the value in that so it's dumb and i'm not I, i'm not saying that's what you're saying scott no, but no that's not I, what i mean that is a common reaction and sure and and i'm like you know what if people found value in paying to own the pixel from amazon and and you're on a platform where you can be sure that it's amazon that sold it to you and that that it's legit uh okay let let people do it knock yourselves out yeah. have fun I mean, like, like people I mean, collect again, weirder I'll, stuff out there I mean, so this why is not? the thing everything, everything is based on perceived value if yeah, I, totally. if i sold yeah. you the use the used tire that uh, um uh, uh, Will uh, Will Wheaton used to get home after he got a flat tire on the four hundred five, and I was selling it, and it's like, hey, Wait, I'm going to sell this you, for a hundred thousand dollars. Do you have Will Wheaton tire? Really? Uh, I mean, someone out there's like, yeah, I'd be willing to pay that because a, they have an ungodly sum of money and don't know what to do with it, or they just really like Will Wheaton and want. This isn't new, of- right? Like yeah. there was a whole well, industry a- in selling bones from saints for, and I think it still exists. Honestly. Yeah, they found out they were from crooks instead. But well, whatever. there was all, and there's always been fraud, right? <laughs> but that yeah. doesn't mean that all the bones sold were fraudulent. Some bones might have actually been some, from saints. Some were legit bones, and some there was were an fraud- authentication but- problem. You know, but that's a great new cartoon for you, Fraud Bones. Fraud I, Bones, yep, Fraud Bones coming soon. Check and your then I think paper. there is a cartoon and somehow relating like selling the knuckle bones of Saint Ruminus uh, in in the you know Middle Ages to to sell Saint Arthritis. <laughs> well, the way the the you're not Tom's not wrong, and also I'm a big believer in I hate I hate the phrase because it gets overused, but the the market will sort itself out. It will. Like at some point somebody's gonna it's gonna stop Listen. being 
fascinating and it will start being real like okay well what is worth this to me are, and are people with maybe still su- stupid expensive like collector collector as far as i know i don't know i haven't followed it but you know people would argue well there's a, that's a physical thing whatever it's still perceived value and so i agree with you on all of this all i'm saying is there there will be a coming down from this bubble and when it does i'm, I'm interested i mean you know that's this is the whole thing it's part of the whole greater fool theory and if you're not familiar, it's a term that they've often used in investments, but also in real estate, where the whole idea is that you create you you create a feeling of worth or something in a product, and you keep driving more and more investors into it, like the whole like tulip mania in the Netherlands back in the was it 16th century. Um, and at some point, you run out of people who are willing just to invest invest that amount of money in a tulip bulb, and the whole thing just comes crashing down. Yeah. Yep. The so, key is not to be at the bottom, to be, yeah. to be at the top. Yeah. Or well, in the, the middle somewhere like to, me. Um maybe spend money on things you enjoy and not just because you think it might make you rich. Unless I you're want really certain it's going to make you rich. Yeah. Or if you're rich and it's the hot, trendy thing to do, I get why Paris Hilton buys an NFT. It did sure. not shock me at of all. Of course. She's got it that's made perfect nothing. Sense. That's like, you know, picking up a, it costs her more to, to pick a penny up off the ground than to right. buy it. Right. That's like me buying a sticker I saw online and thought was cool. Like yeah. it's, I, I get it. And, and, but I, yeah. All I'm saying is not all of us. Not all of you artists out there listening to this who are super pumped on this on this thing are going to get bored ape money. Okay, so just know that. So stop emailing Scott. Yeah, yeah. Send it, quit, quit selling me my own artwork. <laughs> yeah. Also, so that. what you should do is take that money that's burning a hole in your pocket and reinvest it in us. Yeah, that really set me off. <laughs> The guy selling my own artwork to me really did set me off. I have to admit, a lot of what I feel and about you know this why? That's probably bot, that's probably not even real. It's probably bot created. No, that's not only that. Even if it was a real person, I don't know if it's really minted. All I know is it's he's riding not even on minted. the yeah, yeah yeah. I don't know. It's probably no a phishing scam. They probably wanted to get your Outlook login. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> this, is, this is about my Google credential. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they wanted to get get into your YouTube account. That, that had nothing yeah. to do I mean, with did it. Let me ask you: Did it get your goat because it was your own art? Oh, totally. Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very. If it would have been a friend of mine's, it would have gotten my goat. If it's someone I didn't know, well, I wouldn't been, know what to if say. If it had but, been his goat's art, it would have gotten. It. Yeah, it had been any part of my goat. <laughs> because <laughs> no? I could totally see the anger behind the chutzpah, but at the same time, you have to kind of admire the. But, yeah. but it's, no, you don't, because it's a bot. Like, yeah, it's a robot. <laughs> it, I don't it, admire it. There's. To go back to Scott's part about there's no artistic, there's no creativity in what that person did because they ran a bot. (laughs) It's not about the creativity. It's about the chutzpah. But it's about the perception. But it's not about the chutzpah to press a button and be like, I don't know, let's see if this works. Like, there's not, there's not much chutzpah in that. <laughs> but, I don't know, This is, know, a, um, yeah. this don't is know. the problem. All it takes, it's a numbers game. It always like has been. Like, if I wrote a raging email to some, you know, to <laughs> my boss. If you boss. wrote, or versus, I have a piece of software that writes raging emails to people. Like, and then I, the but difference. I click to send. Yeah, that, uh, that doesn't take a lot of chutzpah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like that's a low level of chutzpah. That's like one cc that's low, of hook, that's chutzpah. That's a low chutzpah. Yeah. You want higher levels of chutz? <laughs> it might not even have any dose of It might just be chutz. It's what, just what's the fatal dose there? The fatal dose of chutzpah. Yeah, yeah. the fatal dose of chutzpah is... Uh, I don't know what would cause the fatal dose of chutzpah. What would it be? Oh, uh, let me see. What's the other one? Though? Oh, do people do that? <laughs> they sell you of... back your... That sounds like a mystery novel. 
Was that a risky business? He had the the guy sold them back. Uh, uh, Tom Looks Cruise, like University of Illinois. That's what so, I remember from Risky Business because we all cheered because we were at the University of Illinois. Did you really? Yeah, oh yeah. Were you there when they shot it? Well, yeah, of course no, you did. No, no, no. Yeah. I was actually in high school when it came out, but we when we we would watch it on like VHS. Uh, sure. And then when they get to that line, everybody be like, yeah, that's you us. know, what's funny. Here's a little thing. And probably none of you know about it. I don't know if you do or not. Um, if there is ever a Utah or Salt Lake city or like Mormon joke or anything in any movie. And there's sometimes are a TV show. Yep. You're in a theater full of people. I, I don't know what people think we do when that happens, but if a, a movie that was released nationally makes a joke in the middle of it and said something about Utah, even if it's completely stereotyped, wrong, whatever, uh, we cheer. Uh-huh. We go, Dude, We love that, that it was referenced. We, I, we I, don't I, care. I think, I think that's true of any place that isn't constantly referenced because even here in Los Angeles, yeah. I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in Sherman Oaks. And Sherman Oaks gets referenced in that movie uh, for Casa Vega, uh, which is a great restaurant, and everybody in the Sherman Oaks Theater was like, "Woo, that's us, Sherman Oaks." We do, we never get positively. We love Casa Vega, like, and you'd think like, "Oh, we're in L.A. Like nobody's going to do that." But it's because yeah, L.A. It's always the Hollywood sign and Beverly Hills and stuff. So you know, it was kind of people were like, "Oh, cool, it's where we are right now." That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that happens up here in Alaska because I haven't seen any movies in the theater that had any reference to Alaska, but I'll be, be sure to be hyper vigilant about you ever, paying attention. You ever watch yeah. like uh, Northern exposure and just cheer the whole time? Cause they no. no? Washington, but yeah, that's right. Wasn't that where twin, same as twin peaks, it's right? Or same somewhere area as twin peaks. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I did a, I did a little tour Hill. with a friend of mine up there once, where we went to the, we went to the Great Northern uh, from Twin Peaks, and we went to where the diner is in Twin Peaks, and we went to the we went to Roslyn, where where the uh, find, the brick the, is and all that. That's right. You went and had coffee there, or pie yeah. or something. Yeah, I had coffee, pie at the pie. brick. Yeah, I remember I, that now. I, I did the same thing with the with the twins for the uh, for Forks for uh, oh, Twilight. Yeah. Nice. Not exciting. That was nope. <laughs> really. <laughs> that's too bad. It's awful. Like, there's, I mean, and and the biggest thing that you recognize from the movies is actually in Portland. The uh, the the Cullen House is actually in Portland, so completely the opposite direction. Well, if you know, if real cities were built the way that they were reimagined in uh, in Hollywood movies, the Presidio would be over like 500 acres, you know, sized. Oh yeah, the geography of movies. That's that's a well worn uh, uh, trope, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. you my favorite five was I, I I loved the movie Slacker. Y'all, you know, you know that I remember Slacker. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that came out right at the time I moved to Austin, and it's all yeah. shot in Austin. And I remember watching it and being like, "Okay, I'm going to find all these places." And I did. Uh, and none of I'm like, "There's no way they could have walked around that corner and, and gotten to there." Uh, it's all movie magic. Yeah. I also found a lot of those people. That was the other cool thing about Slacker is he used locals. So I I actually met like half the people in Slacker Uh, in the course of living mm. in Austin. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you should have taken your photo with them and NFT'd it. That's what they did for the – so here in a little suburb called Midvale, it's not far from me, maybe 10 minutes, they filmed The Sandlot. We have the same feelings about that. It's like 
Oh, I know those trees. Look at the mountain. There's Twin Peaks right behind. Or our Twin Peaks, which are mountain peaks. Yep. Like, oh, look at that over there. Like, every time we see that movie, we get all excited. And some of the extras were locals. And Heck, I got excited like, when I lived in Washington, D.C. I lived in Arlington, Virginia. But I worked in Washington, D.C. And I'd see a movie and be, I'd be like, hey, I, I, I was there yesterday. <laughs> you know, people are like, yeah, it's the White House. I know. But <laughs> like, yeah, it's but used it a lot. I had never been there and then seen it in a movie the next day. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, that's a big deal if you had never done it before. Yeah, I, yeah. I went through a virtual tour of D.C. with uh, my older twin, uh, Madison, and you know, uh, she asked me like how far this was from there, and I, I was telling her about it. And so we looked it up on a map, and her conception of how far the Capitol is from the White House, from Washington mm-hmm. Memorial, from mm-hmm. Lincoln Memorial, is completely different because she's only ever seen it referenced in movies. Yeah, yeah. So she, in like her mind, right she was like, oh, you just you leave yeah. the Capitol building and you walk in. And you just walk it's like right, right across the, the street. And you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, shoot, like, even no, the mall, on the, the, cap- the first time I went there, I was like, these buildings are all very far apart. Like the Smithsonian yeah. is on the mall with the Capitol, but it's a long walk to get from mm-hmm. the Smithsonian yeah. to the Capitol. Yeah. Yep. And the Washington Monument and all that stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be able cool. to walk from my internship to the the benches across from the White House uh, and have lunch. That was super fun. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Just sit and look at the White House and say, look. That's really cool. Could you imagine like there's important White House it stuff? It did. Going. I would sit there like, wonder what Bill Clinton's doing in there right now. <laughs> <laughs> Later, I found out. They found out exactly <laughs> what he was up to. That's right. There sure is a lot of yelling. Yeah, some presidential and, and, something going and on. And that's another thing. People walk into the White House in movies, and then next the next frame, they're in the West Wing. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's like a 200-yard uh, hallway you got to go down to get to the West Wing. Like, yeah, but if the if you walk like a like an Aaron Sorkin script makes you walk, you get over there real quick, man. <laughs> right. It's called the Sorkin hustle. And you have to talk like this hustle. the whole time. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I still love no. that show. I love it so much. I'd go watch the Western right now. It then, Scott. I've seen it five times through that show. I don't know what's wrong with me. I love it. It's because you you enjoy political intrigue and drama, but in a, uh, in bite-sized amounts that don't upset you. I know what it is. I, I, for all the world's issues, I am forever, deep down, I'm an optimist. Mm. And I want to believe that things can be run the way they were run in that show. I want to believe so that. you like uh, the West Wing for the same reason people like the X-Files. Kind of. You believe. want to believe. I like it for the same reason that I, I like. Oh, I don't know. What else? <laughs> it's because there's something affirmational about it. Yeah. Because they that, still that have, they have struggles. It's hard. Actually. Aspirational. Yeah, yeah. It's complicated yeah, and hard as- and difficult. Like they don't shy away from that yeah, it's yeah. hard or that there are problems. Or even that, you know, scandals, all those things are still there. It's just, it's never, it, you know, it's, it's there, there good, was a, well-intentioned uh, people doing good work. Is there all was I'm a saying. book review in Scientific American a few months back uh, about a book that was arguing that we need to have uh, climate fiction that ends hopefully instead of all this like disaster mm-hmm. stuff. Doom and doom. Like, yeah, yeah. because like anyway. what people want is to model something that works, not not right. be browbeaten that like might as well give up. It's all day. It's all over now. Well, like, yeah, yeah. Part that of this, part would of explain. Get, oh, I was, I I was going to say that, that would explain idiocracy and its impact on society. <laughs> well, I mean, par- part of it was like the, there is a numbness that you get when you hear so, like bad news over and over again. You yeah. just kind of 
That's you why just gotta I shit carefully curate what news I watch. So I no, Tom's really good at that. I carefully curate the people I keep in contact with. That too. That I do. I get involved in things I have no control over, and that's what messes me up. But I, I, what I like, what I like about that. See, like Walking Dead in my mind doesn't happen the way those that show or that comic shows it. There'll be a lot of bad stuff for sure. But everyone's evil and no one can get a town set up right and nobody can work together to a common cause yeah, yeah. except the four people that found each other randomly. Like, I just never believe that is the Part case. Part of I it think is figure because it you, you, if you've ever been around enough people, you realize some of that's true, but a lot of it isn't because there are times. <laughs> if you've ever been around enough people. Well, that's what I, I mean, well this is the thing. I've known, I've known people who have very small circles of friends. And it's and it doesn't go beyond, you know, a friend of the families. And so their perception of different people who might not be like them is a little skewed. Yeah. And so when they imagine things, it it's always in a less than positive light. Yeah. What I would like to imagine is a title for the show. Let's oh, look yeah. at the But Tom, you don't have to imagine that. We I have don't. titles. Uh, for instance, here are the top three vote getters for DTNS. Fred eight nineteen, his bot Elroy. It's a VTOL that will take off and land vertically. Uh, which I think those kind of were like VTOLs in the Jetsons. Actually, now that I think about it, uh, yes. Zoe brings bacon. Stretch that robot. No. Wow. Uh, like and that. Larry in Atlanta. Robots can lift heavy stuff, and that's rad. <laughs> I did say that. You did line. say that. We 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 went with uh, Zoe brings bacon's. Is Sony's gaming business in trouble? Ah, uh, yeah, because that was like our, our our big main topic there. Take so. that, Sony! You're in trouble. Yeah, uh, GDI trouble. top three vote getters: Fred eight nineteen NFTsed for fun and profit. Teased. Uh, Chiros, this Discord is bananas. B a n a n a s. Nice. And ICU Roger thinks of Levi Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss or Levi Strauss? I think it was. Levi. I always say Levi's because it's. Well, Levi Strauss is the uh, post structuralist philosopher. Levi Strauss are the company that makes things you wear. I have five of the Levi Levi Strauss in my. <laughs> Which in my one chart. were you thinking of? Or weren't they? Well, they're both Levi's, though. Do you the, wear the, the, Claude Levi Strauss or do you wear <laughs> jeans from Levi Strauss? Well, I'll say this: We picked Fred eight nineteen's NFTs for fun and profit. Good, 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 good resolution. Good dodge. Yeah, I like it. Let's go to Patreon and see if we got a raise. We uh, we went humbly into our boss and we said, "Hey, can you give us a raise? We've been working real hard." And Joshua said, "Yeah, sure. You guys deserve it." Uh, and Clinton said. I'm also your boss, yeah, and I also give you a raise. Uh, and George was like, I already gave you a raise. I'm going to give you another one. Thank you, George. Y'all are the best. Uh, one of you gave, gave, uh, cut our pay. Uh, we understand. The other folks picked up for you, so it's fine. And I'm not going to name you because that would be mean. So uh, thank you, folks, on Patreon for supporting us. Patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, Tid Gooby is uh, on a campaign to say he can get a title voted to the top without watching the show. He's just submitting titles based on clues. Like he sees what other people are submitting or what people are chatting about. So uh, 
I don't know. I think I may be polluting the sample in, in your attempt, Tit Gooby, but I, I kind of admire the quixotic uh, the quixotic <laughs> nature of that. It's pretty great. All right. Uh, let's go to Twitch and thanks to the folks following us there. Uh, we got new follows from Jscar Hawk and Gators1990. Welcome to the show. Uh, we got bits from Zoe Brings Bacon, Cycle Motors, All DLDL, and we got resubscriptions. Uh, Tinvec is back. Nice to see you, Tinvec. Tier one for the second month, too. Really appreciate that. Uh, 89A for SD56F, uh, sixth month at tier one. It won't stop nagging me until I hit the share button. That's right. That's how it works. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Thank you, Scott Johnson. And until tomorrow, everyone, please, 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 please have a good day. Have a good, good day. Good day. Thank Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.